Welcome to another episode of Hardy Wrestling with Stephanie Hardy. In this episode, we're going to go over news and gossip-ish, talk about a pretty special wrestling fan story time that I have, and then we're going to go over the main event, discussing all the major things that have been going on in the WWE leading up to Elimination Chamber this, this Sunday. Thank you so much for listening. If you've kept up with me over the past couple episodes, this is episode five, and I'm really excited about episode five, simply because of the fact that it's happening, and I'm just so glad I've taken the initiative and taken, you know, courage in doing something like this, talking about something that I really, really love. And I just thank you if you've kept listening to it all this time. So without further ado, here we go. Okay, so in the news and gossip-ish world of wrestling, what we have first is the unfortunate but somewhat fortunate news that Matt Hardy, a WWE and TNA legend, um, his contract with WWE has expired. So according to Bleacher Report, Matt Hardy's WWE contract expired earlier this week. So there's been lots of speculation that he could sign for for a different promotion so as you know he was he came back to wwe about maybe two or three years ago um at wrestlemania with his brother jeff hardy where they reformed the hardy boys um to an amazing fanfare at the actual event it caused one of the greatest wrestling pops in history um and basically they came back and did the whole tag team thing and then Matt was able to do his broken gimmick from TNA but then after that he was kind of like a mixture of the broken gimmick and a mixture of his version one gimmick and all this other stuff and he wasn't truly allowed to flourish as much um in more recent years so now um since his contract has expired he's um left free to go to whatever promotion he wants to and it's looking like he may be going to AEW, All Elite Wrestling, which is basically the new hot promotion that a lot of people are really crazy about. So we may have an answer um, in the form of a YouTube video because Matt Hardy does have a YouTube channel called Free the Delete. Um, And near the end of his more recent episode, the tag team known as the Young Bucks, who are Matt and Nick Jackson, appeared near the end of it. And he said, Bucks of Youth, I knew you, you would come. So it's looking like he may be a part of the AEW universe pretty soon. So as sad as I am to see him leave the WWE universe, it'll it'll be really great if he has like a new chance and a new lease on his character, a new lease on life as he moves forward in his career. So I wish him nothing but the best. Also in news and gossip-ish, JBL John Bradshaw Layfield or known as Bradshaw, depending on, you know, what time you actually saw him wrestle in, is going into the WWE Hall of Fame. The decision was announced on WWE Backstage this past Tuesday. He joins the 2020 class that includes Batista, the Bella Twins, Nikki and Brie, and the NWO, including the members Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, Sean X-Pac Waltman, and, of course, Hulk Hogan. Now, JBL started in WWE in 1995 with the Acolytes tag team with Ron Simmons, who um, in one of my earlier episodes, I discussed his history making 
um, pedigree. He was a part of the first African-American tag team champion championship um, tandem with Tony Atlas. But JBL and him were also a tag team in the 90s. And Ron Simmons will more than likely induct him um, at the Hall of Fame ceremony because they are really close friends. And he was actually able, and JBL was actually able to induct Ron Simmons when he was going in. So, um, congratulations to him. And also, um, and also to mention a little bit more trivia about JBL. He had a 280-day run as WWE Champion, and he completed the Triple Crown by also winning the Intercontinental title and the United States title. So he's pretty accomplished. So he's earned this um, recognition in the Hall of Fame, so congratulations to him. And I will not be calling him a wrestling god because that's just not true. Anyway, um, <laughs> also in news and gossipish, Stone Cold Steve Austin will return to Monday Night Raw on next Monday because it'll be March the 16th, which is also known as 316. Now, for those who don't know, the significance of 316 to Stone Cold Steve Austin stemmed from his 1996 King of the Ring victory um, over Jake the Snake Roberts. And at the time, Jake the Snake Roberts was portraying a born-again Christian. So after Austin defeated Roberts um, for the distinction of King of the Ring, he mocked Roberts' faith and basically coined the phrase of Austin 316 says, I just whooped your A-word. Now... Um, ever since then, it became, Austin 316 basically became one of the most popular catchphrases in wrestling history. It was put on all kinds of t-shirts and everything. And basically, Austin is about as synonymous with 316 as John in the Bible is. Like, it's pretty crazy, but yep, that's how it is. I remember my grandma used to get mad about that a lot, but it's okay. And also, um, for the last part of the news and gossip, we have one more piece of news, and that's the fact that congratulations are in order for AJ Styles as he was elected the Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Wrestler of the Decade. He has done a lot in terms of everywhere he's wrestled, in terms of TNA, New Japan, Pro Wrestling, and also um, in WWE, where he made his triumphant debut in 2016 in the Royal Rumble. And he has gone on to win championship after championship, U.S. title, WWE title, and he's just gone on to be so successful. And a lot of people are pegging him as the modern-day Shawn Michaels because of his ability to ma to maintain his athleticism even in his um age you know he's not really that old like he's probably in his 40s or whatever but he's still able to move around really well and have really great matches with people so he definitely deserves this distinction um for wrestler of the decade so congratulations to him um and for those who don't know pro wrestling illustrated is a magazine that talks about pro wrestling so kind of like sports illustrated but just only involving wrestling so congratulations to him and now next i'll have my wrestling fan story time and it's pretty passionate this time because I'm talking about um, how wrestling saves the lives of its fans and the lives of the athletes as well. So hang on. All right. So now we've reached a segment where I tell a story. So welcome to wrestling fan story time. This week, I'm going to discuss how wrestling can be um, more than just a sport for people, but how it can be a saving grace for those who are going through tough times, such as the athletes themselves and also um, the fans. 
So I can speak for myself and say that wrestling does give me an escape um, from kind of like my adult life as it, you know, consists as it um, begins to grow more and more. Um, Sometimes it can get really hectic. Sometimes it can get really stressful. But it's just nice to know that you have a world in which that's rooted in reality and also rooted partly in fantasy that you can sort of just get lost in for a while and sort of forget all your responsibilities and just get lost in these people's worlds that they're building so you can watch them and watch them fight and say a bunch of things that you wish you had the courage to say to people and just to get involved with and how it allows you to make friends and how it allows you to sort of you know just look at this colorful world that they're building in terms of this crazy circus so I guess that's how it helps me escape um, certain things in my life but what I want to talk about is how um, basically wrestling isn't just an athletic sport or it's just or it's, and it's not just a fandom with a subculture but it can be a, a huge saving grace now one of the greatest stories that I heard this week was during a WWE 24 documentary that they do on the WWE Network for their certain wrestlers. And this, um, a few weeks ago, they released one on R-Truth. Now, his real name is um, Ron Killings, and he's from Charlotte, North Carolina. And he's really goofy on television and stuff like that. He's been really funny and really entertaining to the point where he made some of the most ridiculous things work in terms of an imaginary little boy and the 24-7 championship because he's literally like the one who's um who probably has the most reigns probably at least over 20 reigns with that championship as of last year so everything he does basically turns to gold but what you would not know about him is the fact that before he even started in wrestling he was a football player in high school, but right after he graduated from high school, he wanted to pursue a music career. He's also a rapper. As And then as if you watch wrestling, you see that when he does his entrance, he raps his entrance song. But he really was a rapper to the point where he was opening up for people like Easy e and Tupac and... He would put so much into his music, but then his music career wasn't taken off like he thought it should. So in order to be able to pay for his music career and also to be able to provide for his family, he would deal drugs. And there was a point where he was making so much money that the music was starting to take a back seat to his drug dealing. And when he got caught, he would have mugshots and everything everywhere all over town to the point to where he embarrassed his family and he actually did some jail time. And right when he got put in a halfway house around his 13 month sentence, he got, he met up with Jack Crockett who worked for Jim Crockett promotions at, um, in NWA and basically introduced him to the world of wrestling. And he took him to a WCW Monday night nitro show and he saw Ric Flair, who's also from Charlotte, North Carolina. And he told him, you know, since you're talented and you can and you can dance and you can rap and all of that, you can do all of this in wrestling. And he basically opened our truth up to a world 
in which he can use all of his athletic abilities and all of his music abilities in one career. And it changed his life for the better because he was actually able to incorporate all of that and it was and he was able to get away from the drug lifestyle and work hard to become the re- the, um, the sports entertainer that he is today. And I can honestly say that he found his niche in it. Like he he is worth so much. Like he's worth his weight in gold. And I hope that he does nothing more than just succeed. Like I want him to do, I want him to succeed. I even want him to go for the WWE Championship one last time because in that documentary, it showed him fighting John Cena for the for the WWE title. Of course, you know, John Cena had to win. But if R-Truth had another chance at the WWE title, I would not be disappointed with it at all. I'd be happy with it. Now, another um, story that was revealed unto me on this week via Instagram was the story of Big Swole. Her name is Ariel Monroe, but her wrestling name is Big Swole in AEW. She is the wife of WWE wrestler um, Cedric Alexander, who's a former WWE Cruiserweight champion. Um, And she, the first time I saw her wrestle was in the inaugural Mae Young Classic. And she was really impressive with her athleticism. And she's very strong. Even though she looks relatively small, she's very buff and she's really strong and she's amazing. And she epitomizes black girl magic too. But (laughs) something that I found out about her this week is the fact that wrestling sort of helped her in her struggle with Crohn's disease. And there was a point in which um, before she was diagnosed with Crohn's disease that her organs were shutting down and she didn't know if she was going to live the next day. But somehow or another, she was healed um, and she was able to take med- to take her medicine and all of that and work hard to get in shape and actually become a wrestler. And to see her on AEW now, which was, and she was on AEW this week, um, and to see her wrestle and be as dominant as she's being, and possibly being set up for um, a rivalry with um, Britt Baker is really amazing. And I'm really proud of her. And I wish her nothing but success in that. And I will also say that in terms of wrestling fans' lives, wrestling not only gives people, you know, an escape, but it gives people, it gives wrestling fans someone to look forward to seeing and someone to look up to. Because there was one example on SmackDown where Lacey Evans, um, who's basically a wrestler who's, who goes by the Southern Belle characterization, um, she was talking about how there was this fan who went through something similar to Lacey Evans in terms of her family. Lacey did mention on, a, on an episode of SmackDown that she lost her father to alcoholism and... It was a pretty harrowing story for her to tell. So there was this one fan who sent her a letter saying, you know, I lost my family um, to alcoholism in the same manner. And seeing you inspires me to want to, you know, live my life in such a way that my family won't have to go through the same thing. And quite honestly, Lacey Evans's life and that fans' lives are living proof that you do not have to be what you are surrounded by at all like just because your family went through this thing doesn't mean that you have to go through it like you can break generational curses in that manner and there are so many other um stories 
such as Sasha Banks, where she basically was able to she was able to lift herself up um, from poverty to be able to make her dreams come true. She always wanted to be a wrestler and she made her childhood dreams come true. And AJ Lee, when she basically rose up, she fought through poverty and mental illness in order to make her dreams come true. And even though she doesn't wrestle anymore, she's still she's still an advocate for mental health um, for girls. And she's a hero to a lot of people um, here and now. So when it comes to people on the outside looking in who look at wrestling as just, oh, it's just this fake thing or it's just this TV show. It's a lot more than that to people within the world of within this world and within this subculture. It means the world to us because it gives us an escape. But not only does it give us an escape, it gives us people to look up to people who make us feel strong and make us feel seen and make us feel like who we are is not a mistake and who we are is beautifully unique and powerful. And that's the end of the Wrestling Fan Story segment. All right, so now we're going to talk about the main event where we talk about everything that happened on Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. So we're going to start with the Raw women. Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan had a match, and the special guest referee was Sarah Logan. So basically, it was a Riot Squad family reunion. Okay, I hope I don't get um, in trouble for that. But <laughs> but it was a family reunion, um, except it, they were all fighting. And basically, this match was relatively short. Um, there was a lot of back and forth between Liv and Ruby. There was a point where Ruby kept trying to like they just kept brawling with each other um there was a point where ruby slammed live into the ring pose and then there was um the idea that they kept bullying sarah and kept fighting you know verbally fighting with sarah and all that until ruby actually got in live ruby got in sarah's face and just kept trying to talk down to her saying you don't know how to do your job and you know you don't know how to count and all this other stuff and Sarah got so sick of it that once Liv actually got a hit in on Ruby and covered her for the one, two, three, Sarah did like a fast count and Liv won the match and they were celebrating and everything, but Sarah was just sick of it. And because they all have to fight at Elimination Chamber for the chance to um, fight Becky Lynch at WrestleMania, she basically beat up on both of them. So Liv only was able to like enjoy her victory for like a few minutes before Sarah beat up both of them So and walked out of the ring. So there was that part. Um, that dynamic is going to be hilarious on tomorrow. But um, also in the world of the women on Raw, Kyrie Sane had a match with Shayna Shay Baszler. And Asuka was out there at ringside because Asuka had, um, originally Asuka was scheduled to fight against Shay, but she had a hand injury, so she wasn't cleared to compete, so, uh, so Kyrie um, took her place. Now, 
if you you know are deep into NXT or if you're deep into the Mae Young Classic, if you've ever watched it, you'll know that these two were former rivals in NXT because they fought for the NXT Women's Championship multiple times, and um, they also fought in the Mae Young Classic against each against each other. So they're very familiar with one another. This was also Shayna Baszler's first match on Monday Night Raw. And Asuka was basically telling Shayna that she was lucky, um, lucky that she was injured or otherwise she was going to beat her and all of that. And I'm pretty sure that was what she was saying in Japanese. And but everybody kept responding to everything that Kyrie saying and Asuka was saying by chanting Shayna's gonna kill you, which isn't completely inaccurate. But, you know, let's move on from that. And Shayna came out, did her grand entrance, and the match got underway. And a lot of the offense was due to, was basically like Shayna with her joint manipulation. There was a point where she was trying to break um, Kyrie Sane's fingers and hands. And there was also a point where she kept stepping on her Achilles tendon. And it was really painful to watch. She just kept twisting her leg and twisting her ankle and all this other stuff. And it was just like, it was classic Shayna Baszler. Like, there was a couple of moments where Kyrie saying tried to fight back, but she just kept on working on her tendons and stuff. And then, of course, Becky Lynch came out to watch, and she looked like a whole clown. She came out there, like, with these sunglasses and this giant yellow fur because, you know, she's just a champion. I feel like she's low-key acting like, um... She's she almost has like the Conor McGregor type of swagger now that she's sort of like champion and she's beat Oscar and all this other stuff. So she's like, nobody can beat me. Woo. You know, and she's having fun with it. And there are a lot of people, you know, in the Internet wrestling community who find it obnoxious. But I think it's cute and I think it's funny. But I feel like all they're doing is really setting her up to possibly, you know, take a huge fall. But, you know, let's just not make those predictions just yet. Um, but basically back to the match, Shayna Baszler made Kyrie tap out and she won the match. So that's basically everything that's going on with the women on Raw. They're preparing for Elimination Chamber. So just know that in the Elimination Chamber match for the number one contendership for the Raw Women's title match at WrestleMania, it's Asuka versus Natalia versus Liv Morgan versus Ruby Riot versus Sarah Logan versus Asuka and Shayna Baszler. So we're going to have fun. So now we're going to go to the Raw Men. Now, in terms of the Raw Men, the show started with Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman. And Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar were basically, well, mostly Paul Heyman because you know Brock Lesnar doesn't really talk. He was talking all this trash at, um, he was talking all this trash at, um, Drew McIntyre he even called him a big b-word at one point it was kind of uncomfortable but then Drew McIntyre came out there and Claymore kicked him three times and lifted the belt over his head so Drew McIntyre is looking incredibly strong going into this match and I really hope he wins so after that you had the Raw Tag Team Championship match um, between Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy and the Street Profits, and it was the Street Profits' final opportunity to win the tag championships. Otherwise, if they had lost this match, they wouldn't get another opportunity. And the Street Profits came out to a really roaring crowd from in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center, and they kept chanting, "Where Brooklyn at? Where Brooklyn at? Where Brooklyn at?" And I was just like, "Ah!" Anyway, 
Um, <laughs> and then they made another amazing quote where they said, when the pressure's on, we cook. And I'm just like, I love the Street Profits so much. They have so much char- charisma and it's just so amazing. And literally like the match hadn't even started yet but there was a brawl that was ensuing that had like Montez jumping out onto into Seth and Murphy's arms and they slammed him into the barricade so literally for a moment it was just Angelo Dawkins fighting through against Seth and Buddy Murphy it was kind of it was kind of unfair but Montez did come back um to flip on them and he basically um like he did all kinds of moves and everything to basically like get the get the upper hand and it was a back and forth match but then there was an assist from Kevin Owens when it looked like Seth was about to um win the match and everything Kevin Owens came out there and distracted Seth Rollins and stunned him so Montez was able to cover him for the one two three and we have new raw tag team champions in the street profits yay they wanted the smoke and they got the smoke and of course you know Seth Rollins and Brady Murphy got upset about it backstage they were like we want a rematch at Elimination Chamber blah 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 but I was so happy I was celebrating because I've been wanting the Street Profits to win the tag title all this time and they finally got it so woo okay now another thing that happened that was very um sad was the fact that ricochet had a match against riddick moss for the 24 7 championship and i almost feel like when it comes to the 24 7 championship it's like they use it and the u.s title like as participation trophies like it's like if you had a match against brock lesnar and you lost that wwe championship match it's like they make you go for like a smaller, well, not a one, I don't want to say a lesser title, but a smaller title in order to give you, in order to say, you know, thanks for trying. Like give, they give you like the, at least you tried cake. Um, <laughs> but they didn't even give Ricochet that because Riddick Moss literally lost, like want, retained his, his 24 seven title and Ricochet lost. And I'm just like, God dang it. Like Ricochet can't win anything now. It's just like, what's the point? Um, but back to the whole participation trophy thing it's like they did the same thing to Rey Mysterio when he lost his um WWE title match against Brock Lesnar and it's like he won the U.S. title and it just felt like these titles are important but at the same time it's almost like they make it seem like they're not as important and it's just kind of sad that they almost use them as participation trophies but um moving on Alistair Black and AJ Styles did not happen because because of the fact that AJ Styles was sending his OC boys Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows to fight the battles for him and then by the time AJ Styles was able to fight him fight Alistair Black he was worn down and they basically beat up on him like the entire time and it was just it was just kind of terrible and then AJ hit his phenomenal forearm on Alistair Black and then covered him with a rest in peace cover as a message to the Undertaker and also before the match even started AJ was talking about how he wasn't in a good mood because he should have won the um the two wake mountain trophy from Super Showdown but the Undertaker came out and ruined that and then Mark Wahlberg who was doing an advertisement for his new Netflix movie was saying that AJ Styles should just walk away from The Undertaker and not, you know, do anything about it. And AJ Styles was like, am I really going to take advice from Marky Mark? And I think that's so funny because 
I mean, I really have to really remember Like, I have to really struggle to remember the fact that Mark Wahlberg was in a singing group first before he was like a big time actor because the first time I saw him he was a big time actor but I digress that part was just really funny so and then we also found out what was in Eric Rowan's cage it's a tarantula because he sent it out to he wanted to show No Way Jose because No Way Jose was actually polite enough to ask hey what's in the cage and Eric was like you know nobody's ever asked that politely before so you know what i'm gonna show you because you were nice about it and he pulled out the tarantula and all of no way jose's conga line friends ran away but at least we now know what's in the cage it's a tarantula my boyfriend wasn't that excited about the fact that it was a tarantula but i was so you know at least we know so (laughs) um Rey Mysterio and and Humberto Carrillo had a tag match against Angel Garza and Andrade, who's returned from his 30-day suspension with Zelina Vega. And Rey Mysterio had on an Eddie Guerrero shirt, which put me in my feelings a little bit. And this match was as stunning as a lucha match could get. And I definitely um, recommend that you watch it because I did not have the words (laughs) to describe how amazing that match was I didn't even have any notes for it because I'm just like I feel like if I I felt like if I was gonna take notes and look at the match I was gonna miss something and I didn't want to miss anything but I definitely like guarantee you will enjoy watching that so Rey Mysterio and Humberto won so that was all that's always a good thing and Zelina Vega had on the most amazing Muneca outfit um like she looked like a Barbie doll it was so cute and to go on with the raw segment um the main event was Beth Phoenix starting with an update on how Edge was doing because as you know Beth Phoenix and Edge are married and Edge did get attacked a couple weeks ago by Randy Orton after he made his triumphant return after the Royal Rumble and he hadn't been seen on TV since so Beth was going to start with an update but Randy Orton interrupted her and he tried to reach for a hug and a handshake but Beth responded by saying do you think I would hug you or shake your hand after what you did to my husband you SOB And everybody was like, oh, I was freaking out. But then Randy was basically saying that there were that there was no possibility of Edge wrestling again. And he said he owed Beth an explanation. He said that Edge did save his life. But in but he said that he that he was trying to save Edge's life after the Royal Rumble because Edge thought that he was going to come back for good to wrestle but Randy said he was hurting him so he could be present for his family the same way Randy was trying to be present for his family during his dark time but it took a dark turn because Randy went to blame Beth for enabling Edge with the idea that he could come back and wrestle and basically turn and basically turn his love of the fans into a drug and he said and he even had the nerve to say that he loved Edge and the chil- and his and their children more than Beth ever could and then Beth slapped him in the face and he mouthed the b word to her to which Beth kicked him in the stomach and then after she kicked him in the stomach he RKO'd her and left her in the ring and then there were a lot of people from backstage like Natty who's her like Natalia who's her best friend 
and Rey Mysterio and Devon um, Dudley who came out to help her and everything and then Randy Orton just walked off and snuck off and that kind of disturbed me because I'm just seeing her like you called her the b-word and then she kicked you and then she kicked you you know in your stomach and then you RKO'd her anyway and as much as I love wrestling I just don't like the idea it's just the idea of a man hitting a woman and actually a woman hitting a man that just bothers me because it just does because it just screams almost like domestic violence to me but I understand what they were doing. They were doing it in terms of shock value and giving Edge motivation to come back. And this Monday, he actually will be coming back on Raw to address everything that's been happening. So I am excited about that. So on to SmackDown. Well, actually, no, not SmackDown. <laughs> I'm skipping ahead. On to NXT. <laughs> So now we're going to discuss what happened on a really amazing episode of NXT. So, of course, <laughs> um, Mara Ranallo put it so well at the beginning of the show. He called it, he called this episode of NXT Rage in a Cage because they had two steel cage matches. One, um, a women's match between Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai with Raquel Gonzalez and the, and the Roderick Strong Velveteen Dream match. So it started with the Tegan Knox Dakota Kai match. It was the regular back and forth um, action between them both, you know, once they made their entrances. And um, there was a point where Dakota Kai even threw Tegan Knox into like into the cage and they were and then there was another point where Tegan Knox was even grating Dakota Kai's face against the cage like you do like cheese it was kind of scary and there was a reverse chiropractor there was all kinds of backbreakers and choke slams from the top of the cage there was even a really amazing point where Tegan even balanced herself on the top of the cage and jumped onto Dakota Kai but even with all that back and forth and how they were hurting each other and everything Dakota Kai still won the match with the assist from Raquel Gonzalez because Gonzalez was blocking Knox with the cage door from the outside as Kai basically crawled out of the ring of her own power. There was a point where Raquel was trying to help um, Dakota Kai come out, but then Tegan um, basically like hit her with the door or something. They were basically just hitting each other with the door and trying to keep each other from getting out. And somehow or another this feud still isn't over simply because of the fact that Dakota just keeps sneaking out with all these wins due to Raquel Gonzalez and I almost feel like Tegan needs somebody else to be on her side to fight with her so they can even the odds but I just don't know anybody else who's as imposing as Raquel Gonzalez because Raquel is so big and really the only other person I know who's that big um, is probably Rhea Ripley, but she has her hands full with the whole Charlotte match. So maybe Bianca could be Tegan's friend in that aspect, but I just don't see that happening. So, but otherwise, it was a really good um, cage match. And also involving the women, we had Rhea Ripley, um, who had a segment at the Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, Florida, which is where WrestleMania is going to be held. She talked about um, some of her journey in, 
to get to wrestling she said she always wanted to help people but she had to find herself and when she made her wwe debut in the may young classic she had longer blonde hair and a lot of people compared her to charlotte in terms of looks but she wanted to be her own person and she basically changed her look and changed her attitude because during the first part of the May Young Classic, she was like, you know, a baby face and she was sweet and everything. But when she came back for that second May Young Classic, she looked like a goth queen with short blonde hair and she was killing everyone in sight. So <laughs> it was wonderful. So she basically wanted to stand out and be her own person. And she want and she used Ric Flair's famous quote that said, if you want to if you want to be the man, you got to beat the man. So now she wants to beat the best and Charlotte in her mind is the best. So she is ready to go full steam ahead with this WrestleMania match. And I, for one, am ready to see it. Also in the women's division of NXT, you had a match between Shotzi Blackheart and Chelsea Green with Robert Stone. And they were fighting for placement into the number one contenders ladders match for the NXT Women's Championship at NXT TakeOver Tampa. And Chelsea Green... And her offense is really amazing. Like she hit a Japanese arm drag on Shotzi Blackheart that was really beautiful. And then and then Chelsea even hit a backstabber from the top rope. And Chelsea even has this finisher called I'm Prettier that she finished Shotzi Blackheart off with. And that was really cool. So now Chelsea won the match. So now she's the first person that's placed in the ladder match for the number one contendership um, for the NXT Women's title. And notably enough Robert Stone did not help her cheat like she did last time in her match against Caden Carter so that was good to see and now we're gonna move on to the NXT men now in terms of the men you had Keith Lee come out you know and he was addressing the beef between Dominic Dijakovic his OTP and Damian Priest but he was interrupted by Cameron Grimes and this was a weird segment because Cameron Grimes kept getting booed and nobody wanted to hear what he had to say. So there was a point where Keith Lee just pushed him out of the ring and he vowed to basically give him an equal opportunity, a whooping, like butt whooping, except he didn't say butt, because now Cameron wanted a shot at the North American title. So now they're going to fight next week for that. And that's going to be interesting because Cameron Grimes is a good up and coming, but I doubt he's going to get one over on the limitless one. Now, there was a match between Isaiah Swerve Scott and Austin Theory. And that match had a lot of headlocks and a lot of agility and kicks and punches going in. But Austin Theory ultimately won that match with with the ATL finisher. And I forgot um, what that stood for, but he called it the ATL because he's from Atlanta, Georgia. And he's making waves um, for someone. And I think that's really good for someone who got beat by Tommaso Ciampa last week. So, hey, there we go. And then, of course, the Undisputed Era, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish had a match against Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch. And they won that match to basically gain some momentum towards their hunt for the tag team titles again. And they challenged the Broserweights for one, for a match. But they, but the Broserweights got interrupted by the Grizzle Young Veterans. And they basically said that they wanted to stand for the new tag teams who want to challenge for the tag titles. Because 
I can say it has been long in the tooth to see Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish fight for those tag titles over and over again, just so they can fulfill the whole golden prophecy of having all the titles and stuff. So it will be nice to see some new blood kind of go for the tag titles this time. So this should be very interesting going in. And then there was also the announcement that NXT will be taking place in the performance center next week so instead of being in the full sail university arena they're going to be in the performance center where a lot of the wrestlers train at with those with the in with the ring facilities and all that so that's going to be really cool and then of course johnny gargano had his interview with mauro ranallo and mauro being the wonderful commentator slash wrestling journalist that he is was asking johnny gargano why he attacked tomaso champa and cost him the nxt title and Johnny kept screaming at him and just kept saying, no one knows how I feel and no one knows what I've been through. And he just kept getting buck at Mauro Ranallo for calling him Johnny Turncoat and all these other names. Because, you know, Mauro is just going to tell the truth how he sees it. And Johnny was mad and he just kept saying, I'm going to do things my way and all that. So and then he kept saying that Tommaso Ciampa knows why he attacked him. So basically nothing got solved in that interview at all, which made me sad, but and then it kept making me angry too because he kept getting angry at Mauro kept getting buck at Mauro and I'm very protective over Mauro in my spirit because he is a wonderful person (laughs) and he and he is an even greater announcer he's probably the best commentator the WWE has had in his modern era and I just feel and I just have him in a very high I hold him in a high regard so if you attack Mauro just know you're gonna make me angry but it's okay um (laughs) And NXT ended with its main event, which was Velveteen Dream versus Roderick Strong in Rage in a Cage 2. This match was very brutal. And there was a point where even Marina Shafir, who's Roderick Strong's wife, gave Roderick a kendo stick. And she left the cage because the referee told her to. And there was a point where velveteen was using roger strong's um moves and then roger strong was basically teaching him how to use the moves himself by doing it on him and there was and then roger strong used a stick for the used a kendo stick for a backbreaker onto velveteen dream and then there was also a funny point where velveteen dream pulled roger strong's pants down (laughs) and then strong was able to do an olympic slam from the top of the cage um on velveteen and then of course you know the velvet and then and then the undisputed era came out to try to distract dream but adam cole got slammed into the cage and dream pushed strong out so strong could win the match and then locks the rest of the undisputed era in there and he beat adam cole and roger strong with with the kendo stick and did a dream valley driver onto a chair on on um adam cole and the and then the show ended with velveteen dream holding the nxt championship up on the cage so now i believe they're going to set up a rivalry between velveteen dream and adam cole for the nxt title and i'm here for it because Number one, I need more black champions in my life. And number two, (laughs) because this would be good for Velveteen, seeing as he just came back from his injury and everything. And if Adam Cole is going to go into a new rivalry, then Velveteen Dream is definitely the right person to do that with. So that's all that went on on NXT. 
And now we're going to go into SmackDown. Okay, so now on to SmackDown. The show started with a moment of bliss with Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. And they were basically announcing who's going to be in the Hall of Fame class. And I mentioned that earlier. But their guests were going to be the were going to be members of the NWO, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and um, X Pac. So they came out to the original NWO music and everything. And it was a nice back down memory lane type of deal. And Nick, not Nikki. Um, yeah, Nikki actually um, ran up to them and asked for like a selfie. So that made her dream come true. And then Alexa was basically mentioning how some of them are going are now going to be two time Hall of Famers um, due to the fact that some of them have already gone in um, with other groups such as DX and um, the Click or whatever. So there's that part. And they also brought up the Goldberg rivalry that they once had um, with with Hulk Hogan sort of having a back and forth with Goldberg back in the day. And along with going back down memory lane and joking and stuff and Scott Hall saying, hey, yo, (laughs) they were interrupted by Sami Zayn, Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro. And they came out there to basically interrupt them and just be, you know, ratchet and rude and everything that they do to make themselves look like know-it-alls and more important than they actually are. And um, the NWO actually called, actually called Sami Zayn Seth Rogen after two days of stomach flu, which I thought was really funny. But then Braun Strowman came out there. To beat them, to basically beat up on them or whatever, because they kept talking smack at Braun Strowman, basically beefing up their match on Sunday. Because, as you know, it's going to be Braun Strowman defending his Intercontinental Championship against Sami Shinsuke and Cesaro in a three on one handicap match. So, there's that part. But then, as Braun Strowman had basically beat up Cesaro and Shinsuke, he was trying to run after Sammy, but then Sammy hid behind Alexa, which is a very cowardly thing to do. And so he ran away after that. And then Braun Strowman was like, You're going to get these hands and all that. So that was the end of that segment. And then the women's match started with Bailey and Sasha Banks versus Naomi and Lacey Evans again, because they fought in a tag match last week. Um, a part of Naomi's entrance. Um, had glowing wings in it and it was really pretty but then Bailey of course and her absolute heeldom decided to kick Naomi's wings out of the way and of course Sasha came out and they basically proceeded to attack them before the match even started and Sasha and Bailey kept working on Lacey's leg and they kept and they kept keeping her from making the tag to Naomi by throwing her down and keeping her away from the corner and when she finally did get the tag, Naomi took advantage by jumping on top of them and punching Sasha and kicking Sasha and then trying to cover for a near fall, but it didn't work. And Naomi took the advantage yet again, but then Bailey slammed Naomi's head into the ring post and then Sasha flipped her over the top rope for a cover and and Sasha and Bailey won the match. Now, 
there was a point where they were walking backstage and talking about how great they were and how Sasha was going to dedicate her rap album to Bailey and all of that. But yet somebody on Twitter noticed that they felt like Sasha wasn't looking at Bailey when she was talking to her. She was staring or possibly looking at the SmackDown Women's Championship. So we don't know where that's going to go. And as far as we know, like it's looking almost as if Naomi, since she's lost about a good two times to Bailey in tag team action. It looks almost as if they're not pushing Naomi anymore to go after the SmackDown Women's title. And they're not really pushing anybody else either. So are they pushing Sasha? If they are, then that would make me really happy because I mean, Sasha versus Bailey is always my goal, but I kind of quit pushing for it because when they had the chance to do it on Raw, you know, and push it the right way, they didn't do it. So, and then they made them come together and be friends and a tag team or whatever, which was cool and everything. But I guess I'm always trying to get that whole, that wonderful NXT match that they did um, at the first takeover in Brooklyn that time. But we'll see. And also in the women's division, we had Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville versus Carmella and Dana Brooke in a tag match. And... Dolph Ziggler came out there with him because he's further superimposing himself upon Mandy's life and Mandy just seems like she's kind of just letting it happen to be polite or whatever but as it turns out they reveal that Sonya invited Dolph out there so I'm starting to think that maybe Sonya was just trying to is trying to break up Mandy and Otis for whatever reason but regardless of that Dolph came out there and I'm pretty sure he interfered in the match and cause for Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville to win so there was that then there was also a point where during the tag team gauntlet match um to determine who was going to come out last in the tag team elimination chamber match at elimination chamber um Mandy was watching from backstage so she was watching Otis from backstage as as heavy machinery was dominating but I'll get to that later But I thought it was really interesting how they gave off the impression that even though Mandy is sort of quasi okay with Dolph being in her life, she's still somewhat concerned about Otis, even though earlier in the show, when Otis apologized to her for coming to the Valentine's Day late, their date late, she said, I'm sorry, but it's a little bit too late for that. um, And you just can't keep a woman waiting like that. And Otis was sad about that, but then he basically moved on to the gauntlet match, and I'll talk about that in in a little while. So now we move on to the SmackDown men. Sheamus and Apollo Crews fought again, and Apollo Crews basically refused Shorty G's help. And Apollo got some offense in, but Sheamus ultimately won the match with a broke kick. So why do they keep... I don't understand why they keep putting Apollo Crews out there to just lose like that. Like, he deserves a little bit better than that. And then, of course, and then you had Drew Gulak, who was backstage with Drake Maverick, who I'm assuming is still the general manager of 205 Live. And Drake Maverick was saying that he was thinking that he wanted to fight Daniel Bryan. But Drew Gulak was talking about how he knows all of his weaknesses. So therefore, you know, I'm the right person to talk to if you want to know how to defeat Daniel Bryan. But Daniel Bryan overheard this and confronted drew gulak and said since you think you know all my weaknesses so well why don't you fight me at elimination chamber so they're gonna fight sunday so that's gonna be interesting 
And then you had the Firefly Funhouse with Bray Wyatt. And he basically answered the question of why he wants to fight John Cena at WrestleMania. And Rambling Rabbit basically said, Oh, I know why. Is it because six years ago, John Cena beat you at WrestleMania 30 and sent your career in a downward spiral professionally and personally? And it was so funny because that's basically, I feel like what makes the Firefly Funhouse so amazing is the fact that within it is so much of what so many people report on and what so many people say online. And he just brings it to life on television and acknowledges the stuff that we say about stuff online, like over the past couple of years about him. And it's really interesting to see it play out on TV and it's really cool. But he went on to say that John Cena built The Fiend and he's basically going to ruin John Cena. So there we go. And then King Corbin was starting mess with Elias, who was playing the guitar during his interview with Kayla. And he basically was saying that he was better than Elias in every way so I guess King Corbin's gonna have a few with Elias now I'm just glad King Corbin isn't fighting Roman Reigns anymore so we go to the tag team gauntlet match for the last entrance in the Elimination Chamber tag team championship match and the New Day and Heaven Machinery start the match now Corey Graves and Michael Cole kept talking about how the New Day basically made a whole lot happen with their gauntlet matches last year in terms of Kofi's rise to the top of the WWE division with the WWE Championship. So they were expected to basically go all the way in the gauntlet match because of that. Now, Tucker surprisingly kept meeting up kept meeting up with Kofi's agility and you wouldn't think that would happen for someone his size but he kept jumping and flipping just like Kofi was it was really cool and basically they fought off the New Day and Heavy Machinery actually beat the New Day immediately in the gauntlet so they were eliminated and next came out the Lucha House Party in the form of Lince Dorado and Grand Matalik so there was a lot of high fly action from the Lucha House Party. There was even an impressive springboard stunner from Lince Dorado. But there were so many Otis chants. And then during those Otis chants, Otis hit a caterpillar and Heavy Machinery won that gauntlet match. So they're still going far, but then the Usos were next. And then there was a really quick point where the Usos lost and they were eliminated via a roll-up because... Tucker and Otis were so tired and so spent from the first two matches that they basically just beat them. And then the Miz and Morris and then the Miz and John Morrison came out um to fight next in a gauntlet. And Heavy Machinery was definitely getting tired at this point, but they were trying to hang on. And Miz and Morrison were taking advantage of that fatigue. And they kept Tucker in the, from the tag corner. And Otis was saving Tucker from being knocked out of the match because, you know, they just kept beating up on him, but they kept interrupting. But Otis interrupted the count. And there was another roll up <laughs> from Tucker that eliminated Miz and Morrison. But Miz and Morrison were mad about that because they're the champions. They feel like they shouldn't be getting beat by, you know, heavy machinery. So they beat up and attacked them afterward. And then, and then they attacked Otis so hard that they threw him through the barricade wall and left him outside of the ring. So, and Mandy Rose, like I said earlier, was watching from the gorilla position. And Dolph was wondering why, you know, she was watching him. And... 
she just said it was nothing and so Dolph and Bobby Roode came out there next so Otis was still suffering outside of the broken barricade and Tucker was being beat up by Ziggler and Bobby constantly until Otis got up again to slam Bobby against the announce table and then Tucker was fighting off was basically fighting off Ziggler and he was finally and once he got tagged again once he tagged Otis in again um Otis tackled Rude and then slammed Ziggler with an elbow but then Ziggler snuck a tag to Bobby Rude and Otis didn't see it and he super kicked Otis as he prepared as Otis prepared to caterpillar Rude and then Ziggler covered him for the win so the feud between Dolph Ziggler and Otis is still alive and well but since Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler won that match they get to go they get to go into the Elimination Chamber match last on Sunday so that's everything that's been going on on all the shows just remember that Sunday is Elimination Chamber and it's coming on on the WWE Network if you want to check it out and that's it for the main event segment so thank you for listening to episode five of hardy wrestling with me stephanie hardy and thank you for listening to my other episodes if you have but if you're new here i just wanted to let you know that if you want to listen to the podcast you can listen to them um, on this app called the anchor app is a-n-c-h-o-r you can also listen to it on google podcast spotify breaker Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. And I'm also working on getting it on iHeartRadio um, Podcast as well. And then I was also asked about whether or not it could be on YouTube, and I don't know. So <laughs> as I'm going through this journey, you know, if you want to give me any suggestions on, on how you want to listen to it, then I'm more than happy to listen to those suggestions. But if you want to ask me some questions about the podcast or ask me questions about wrestling, feel free to ask me on Facebook. Um, My Facebook name is Stephanie LaShawn Hardy. That's um, S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E LaShawn L-A-S-H-A-U-N Hardy H-A-R-D-Y like the title of the show. And you can follow me on Twitter at Queen Steph Hardy. And you can follow me on Instagram at Queen Steph Hardy. And you can also follow my podcast page um, at Hardy Wrestling Podcast on Instagram as well. So thank you so much for listening. Um, Next week's episode is going to be a little bit longer because I have to cover Elimination Chamber and the regular three shows. And I might throw in a little bit more AEW in there too like I did um, today during my story time session. So like I said, thank you so much for listening to me so far. And here's to 10 episodes, 15, 20, and all of the above. Thank you so much and have a good weekend and love and blessings to you. Bye.